You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Hi, and welcome to our premiere episode of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. We're coming to you today from Holbrook, New York, from the beautiful facilities of the Sachem Public Library's loft. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The Library Pros podcast is produced every month for your enjoyment. Please feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe to us on iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. For notes and links from today's show, make sure that you check us out on our, on our website at thelibrarypros.com, on Twitter at, at thelibrarypros, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. My name is Chris, and I am a technology librarian at the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York. And my name is Bob Johnson, and I'm the manager of information, information and technology services at the Emma S. Clark Memorial Library. And today, we have our very first guest, who is Ellen Druda. Ellen is a technology and internet services librarian at the Half Hollow Hills Community Library in Dix Hills, New York. Hi, Ellen. Hello there. Ellen today is going to talk to us about a bunch of different things. Uh, one thing being a project that she's doing printing prosthetic hands for children, but she also has uh, a very interesting history and uh, interesting career. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But first, uh, we wanted to talk about a topic that I thought would be very interesting as our opening uh, for the podcast. Uh, Bob? Uh, so we, you know, we've been reading about Amazon bookstores coming to uh to, to, to uh, states near you. There's one in Seattle now, and I think they're planning on opening another one uh, somewhere close, and then they're, they might be planning to roll out you know, a good amount of these. Um, there was an article a couple weeks ago that said that they were definitively planning to roll out three or 400 of them, and that's not necessarily true. Um, but they are trying to spread uh, throughout the country and, and, and try and give this a shot. And so what I figured we'd talk about real quick is, um, is why this might work for them. You know, and uh, and what it means maybe to libraries and library services, um, and things like that. Um, so I, I guess we could just open it up to the table. I mean, you know, first off, my, you know, my handle on it is that um, it, this will work for Amazon because they have so much to offer. You know, both online and in person. Um, they have data. You know, we've talked about big data, and they're leveraging all of this tremendous sales data and reading data that they have, right. uh, and review data as well. So every book. You know, if you've ever bought anything from Amazon a couple of days later or even that day, you get an email that says, you know, how was this product? Could yeah. you leave us a review of this product? Right. So that leads to big data. And they have tremendous amounts of data to go through and, and weed down and say, uh, this community, you know, this zip code likes to read these top 10 books. And we're not going to have anything on our shelves uh, as a recommended book that's less than four stars. So the chances of somebody in that community going in and being interested in that book that's on that featured uh, shelf is pretty good, you know, so they have that data. So um, I think their brick and mortar will, will be useful to them and, and, to, the, and to communities. And uh, I, I think that when you go into an Amazon store and you see the, the book that your neighbor read or the book that you heard about um, and they come up with, uh, you know, models of, of advertising based on their big data, that's going to work, you know. And, and um, I think it'll be a, a great place for people to... Um, go and, and kind of collaborate and sit down like they would at Starbucks, you know. But you know, Bob, the libraries do something similar. You know, we know which books circulate in our library, and that's the ones right. that we put in our yeah. building too. So it's yeah. sort of the same idea. Yeah, 
No, I agree, which, which might even point to, um, I hate to use the word competition because you know, I don't think that we've ever been in competition with Netflix or Blockbuster or those kinds of guys. They offer similar services and their services affect our numbers, sure. But to say that a library with a, you know, like Emma Clark has a $5 million annual budget. So to say that we're in competition with a $15 billion company mm. would be foolish. We're not in competition. Not, at least not in direct competition. Not in direct competition, but their services overlap or sometimes even to a patron replace um, something they may have relied on the library for to begin with. Correct. So where I, where I do agree with Ellen is that um, the library used to be the sole source of information. You know, you used to have to go to the library. When I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, high school, I had to go to the library. You there was no force. I mean, there was an internet, right? But the internet was, dee -doo, dee -doo, dee -doo, and it was insanely, you know, fourteen point four, right? Fourteen point four connection, and, and I'm if you wanted to read, if you wanted to read an article, I, you know, yeah. please, you know, start your computer up, go yeah, have dinner, print come it back, on your maybe, dot matrix right? printer, eight pin dot matrix printer, right? And you couldn't do it Parallel after your parents ports. went to sleep because it would, <laughs> you know, and it would knock itself off the shelf because it was so uneven. But, you know, so we had to go to the library. I was in fifth grade doing a book report. I had to go get a stack of books, read them, muddle through them, and do my report. Now, if Good you don't you. if you don't copy and paste your book report online, you know you have to actually write one. Well, you're going to do it on a computer, not going to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, and then I was talking about generational differences. Right. You know, now helping my kids do right. research, where I'm thinking about when I wrote my thesis back in college, where I was, you know, probably getting cancer from all the toner from all the copies I was making. <laughs> uh, you know, making copies of every article after going through index after index after index. To try to find articles that may yeah. be relevant. Oh yeah. Right. Um, now with my kids, the, the research that would have taken me six months, we can do in three hours just right. by either using a database from the library right. or just throwing it in Google. Yeah. Right. And you're one of the rare people that know that there's a database in the library to use uh, to help you guys write that book report. So, That's right. So That's my, my, I guess my point in this particular moment is that the library used to be a single source solution for information. And you could go and muddle through it and spend hours there and walk out with a, with a, a good book report. Or have your parents help you at home with a stack of books. Right. Or even an encyclopedia. Right, and have mm -hmm. something tangible. You know, sure. Well, if you didn't buy your own, sure. If you were wealthy right. enough, you bought your own. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, and then, but now we're becoming um, the, the home of relevant information. So, like, you know, like Ellen, I know, I'm sure, will point out, um, that's what you go to the library for now. You go because there's too much information on the internet. Right. And you can't yes. trust 92% of it. So... When you go to a reference desk and you ask a highly trained reference librarian a question, you're going to get a relevant answer or a printout of a sheet with the top 10, not the top 1.5 billion right. results that and you don't have. That's the theory. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's true. And, and now, you know, we're becoming like, um, you're not going to go to, for the patron to go to Best Buy and buy a device, they're going to get a sales pitch and this and that and what that that's particular person thinks. the key right there. Coming to a library, you're going to get, we don't go one way or the other. That's right. You know? So we'll just provide you with relevant information, no sales pitch, no money to be made. That's here's, right. here's, our, here's our recommendations, and here's mm -hmm. why we say that. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I think that's where libraries are going to excel in, in the, you know, even if Amazon opens up a bookstore on every corner yeah. like Starbucks, you know. That's right. right. Starbucks didn't put Dunkin' Donuts out of business, but I do think that this is an opportunity for libraries to kick up their experience. You know, I don't think we can become a warehouse where you have one person open the door and how much staff do you need to run that? You know, I mean, we could use just a couple of people. So I guess um, let's take comments on what we've just talked about. But then my second piece of this is looking at our statistics and what they say and what we can do, mm. hopefully, to, to bolster yeah. them up. So right. Right. Well, let's, let's comment on this first. I, you know, the, 
all the reports that have come out of um, Pew Research, which mm -hmm. is a sort of a, uh, they call themselves a fact tank, not a think tank. Um, they do lots of surveys of lots of people, and libraries are, they continually revisit the um, feelings that people have towards libraries and librarians. And we have, we've had centuries of trust and goodwill. And I, I don't think that's going away anytime soon, as opposed to Amazon, where they're out to make a buck. I hope that people realize, as you were saying, they, they can come in and they can trust the information that we give them. We, we're not there to sell them anything or you know get anything back. This is something that we give freely. And it attracts the job as librarian attracts a certain kind of person, usually somebody that's um, civic minded, uh, service minded. So you, you have somebody that by nature is going to give you good information without expecting anything, you know, your money or anything else mm -hmm. in return. So that's something that we have way over the Amazon store, mm -hmm. I think, is the centuries of goodwill and quality staff that's not interested in putting their hand in your pocket. Well, I think it's also interesting to note, too, that when people come to libraries looking for information, um, it's one thing if you're coming and you're placing a hold on a bestseller for somebody or somebody's looking for a particular book. But when people come to the library, more times than not, if you're not doing some type of search for a book that they can't find on the shelf, they're asking you a question. Um, and I think librarians have become trained disseminators of information. So anybody can look at Wikipedia and say, oh, well, Wikipedia says, mm -hmm. and Wikipedia really just, yeah. as, much, as much as it's a crutch as a source, as a jumping off point, it's not really um, a place you want to get reliable information from. Mm -hmm. Now, if they give you, you know, sources and links, that helps. But most people don't even know to look for that. No. So a lot of times when a patron comes up to the desk, they're asking a librarian for their advice, how they can find something, how can they find information. And it's, sometimes it's more than just saying, well, we have databases here you can use. Sometimes you have to pull on your own expertise and knowledge from things that you've done in the past in order to help that patron get to the point where you give them enough information that they're satisfied with. Not to make decisions for them, not to tell them what to buy, but to show them the pros and cons of each thing and in terms of electronic devices, let's say uh, uh, iPad versus one of the $50 uh, Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, Kindle Fire tablets. You know, my personal preference is for iPad, but not everybody can afford an iPad. Right. I can't even afford an iPad at this point. <laughs> but you have to do that reference interview, and that reference interview really is important because you have to find out what the person's goals and needs are. Yes. If they need a tablet just for the sake of having a tablet because they want to watch movies and they want to do this or that, a $50 Android, uh, not Android, well, it is Android, but an Amazon tablet may be what they're looking mm -hmm. for. If they're looking to do more, you know, yeah. more, you know, maybe word processing. Right, and creative endeavors. Right, maybe they already have an iPhone or, or something like, like that. Um, then maybe you may want to say, well, maybe you need to look yeah. at an iPad. So at least in my experience, the dissemination of information that you give to yeah. a patron is I try to be as unbiased as possible and try to help them make a decision as opposed to making the decision for them. We're okay. trying to push them towards something. And I think an Amazon store, yes. if, if they are more than just a Barnes & Noble or you know, a Borders if we're dating ourselves, <laughs> um, or a B. Dalton if we're really dating wow. ourselves, um, where they just provide, well, here's the book, and that's Have it. Good day. Yeah, exactly. It'll be nine ninety nine or twenty four ninety nine. And would you like to join our book club? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that I, I think is the ugly truth, is that um, people will go on Google and search everything out and 
they honestly don't care if it's right or wrong. I think a lot of times they, I know that we want to give people quality information, but the, I hate to say, but I think a lot of people don't care. And you see that, you know, on Facebook, people will spread all kinds, you know, they'll just repost things that aren't true. We see that all the time. We used to see it in email. Now we see it on social media. Well, yeah, and people, they don't care if it's quality information, yeah. good information. They just, they don't care. Well, and that's scary, you know, and that's a great point. I think we're living in the age of good enough. And that's yes, scary. I, that's you know, like a, a good, good enough, way to put and you it. go across the boards. Good enough information. You know, maybe I'll get something out of the top ten featured ads that paid enough to be there when I search on Google. Right. You know, maybe. 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 maybe I don't need to go to the library. Who's to, got to, time to, to yeah. delve and right. find good information? That's why you need to come to the librarian, right? right? Exactly. We you know, will delve. Yeah, I mean, and we'll and our, call you back. And our second point of, of, of this and our third will be statistics and things like <clears> that. But our second point is like the PR and marketing that libraries are doing is is I would I can't speak for all of them, but it's kind of atrocious. It's, it's not, lame. You know, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old working on my first car, I didn't get into libraries till I was about 20. Um, I was, you know, running through Haynes manuals for everything, from the lawnmower to the first Oldsmobile that I had and all these other things. If you had told me that all data was available and I could go inside and go on my computer and dial into something called, Ellen, you'll mention it later, Suffolk Web, and, and get on all data and look up my car parts and know what to order and know all what to look at. All data is only available in-house, by the way. So yeah, you could that's not right. have done that. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, didn't some libraries have that? Which, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. At home, I think it was very short-lived. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Because the subscription, But you I can get the EBSCO so version. Yeah. So, you know, I but think, if you had right? told me in general, yeah, there was so, a yeah. way there was a way to get to a repair manual that my library offered yeah. me based on my tax, that's awesome. You know? I, yeah. I kind of already paid for it. My parents did. You know, I have a right to it. Somebody It's a quality... Yeah. You know, resource that, that nobody, I wouldn't say most people know that, that yeah. we have. Well, they don't need us until they need us. Yeah. And, right. you know, there's nothing. There's not a big banner on the front of the library that says we have these databases. There's not a big mm -hmm. banner that says we have EBSCO. What the because, hell is EBSCO? Right. But, there's a, but the funny part is there's a big banner on the front of libraries when you have budget coming up. Yeah, that's you know, true. So you'll always see that. That's but true. But you'll never see, we have EBSCO products, mm -hmm. check them out. What the hell is EBSCO? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, why should I? That's a vernacular <laughs> in the library world. Yeah. So if you're three heart surgeons and you're talking about, you know, Cardiomitosis, and it's something that I don't even know if that's real, but you know, <laughs> you just made it up. I just made it up. It's a curse disease now. <laughs> you know, or you know, are you talking about you know, ischemia yeah, or you know, some some term that is a term of art in the industry? And if there, we're all heart surgeons and we're sitting talking about it, that's great. But if there's a guy at the end of the other end of the table and he's, um, oh, I don't know, he's uh, a gardener, you know, he's going to say, well, what the heck? They're speaking yeah. another language. Right. So when librarians say, oh, we have EBSCO. Patron may look at you and go, well, is there an ointment for that? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm sorry to hear that. How long does that last? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it contagious? Maybe okay. so, I shouldn't go to the library. And that's something that librarians sometimes are neglecting to right. do is they say, well, we have EBSCO. Have you ever Forget used EBSCO that. before? And people look at you like, oh, well, what's EBSCO? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. problem is we're in the industry. We hear EBSCO 19,000 times a yeah. week. Patron yeah. hasn't heard it once. And yeah. even if they hear it, well, what is it? You know, what right. do I need it for? Or even break it down in real language. And, and to break it down even further, even saying the word database at this That's point right. for, for the, the yeah. kids in high school and college, you know, databases, you know, like dot matrix printer, what's that? Mm. Right. You know, or bubble jet printer, what's that? Mm -hmm. You know, kids. And they went to resources. And it's almost like, you know, a lot of the websites that are coming out now have a, 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 a fantastic search, you know, searchability. So now you can just type in car repair, mm -hmm. and the database the library has access to will come up from a library website. Right. That's a great idea. First, you got to get them over to the website, though. Well, that's true too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Right. You have to bring the horse to water first. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. And then smash their head in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hold like them this. in there until <laughs> they can't breathe. Drink, <laughs> drink, drink. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you know the difference between an Amazon store or even for 
lack of a better you know description because we aren't quite sure what Amazon's going to be yet. Yeah. Like a Barnes and Noble experience. Yeah. It, it's sales driven. Where I don't know. I can't speak for every librarian, but for me. I'm sitting at that desk because I have a real desire to help people. That's what I'm saying. I really, it could be about, it could be somebody who's looking for consumer reports on a dishwasher. And, you know, you can just get out the index in the back of the most recent issue and say dishwashers. Okay, October mm -hmm. 15, page 34. Or you can really delve deeper in, mm -hmm. or even a better example. People are trying to, someone comes in and they want to sell their car. And, you know, the easy way is to say, here's the Kelly Blue Book. Good yeah. luck. Right. Well, that is one thing that, you know, we do say, well, we do have it because they'll ask for the, the NADA or Kelly Blue Book. And I'll say, well, you know, I can actually give you a better rate if I go onto their website right. and do it. It's free. Here's Tell me list. all the information about your car, year, make, model, yeah. trim level, engine size. Does it have this, that, and the other thing? What do you think the condition is? And then from there, I'm able to give them a printout based upon that, what Kelly Blue Book says. Instead of going down the list and saying, okay, Add 500 for air conditioning. Add yeah. 350 for, you know, trying to do that calculation. That was great back in the 70s because that's the technology that's we had. That's all you had, right? That's right. Yeah. But now it, it, it's such an easier thing to do. But not a lot of people even know that it's out there. And it's not even a database, but that's something that's free from Kelly Blue right. Book, their mm -hmm. website. So it's ter in terms of going to a library for information, yeah, you can go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon store and go buy a Kelly Blue Book. Well, actually, mm -hmm. I don't even think you can. Because that's I a subscription no service. Yeah. Yeah. But you can try yeah, to find out. you get a disinterested sales clerk who will just... Provide you know, the item and say, right. thanks, next. Yeah. See, but I don't right. think they're going to take that model. I think Amazon bookstores are, are going to work because they're smart enough to take the model that Barnes & Noble missed and these other folks missed. Um, and that's one of engaging sales folks, engaging people around the, the area, and, and offering them a, a place of collaboration, a place of get-together like, like Starbucks is. You know, so there was Dunkin' Donuts, and it was flourishing before Starbucks came around. But Starbucks sure. offered you an experience, mm -hmm. and you're gonna want to go pay eight bucks for this frappuccino latte caramel. <laughs> that's three dollars right? at Dunkin' Donuts. You're right. That's three dollars at Dunkin' Donuts right. because you can go to this place that yeah. has this elite Wi feeling and it's playing jazz music, and it's and cool. And all of a sudden, it became cool to go there. Yeah. You know right. why? It's a status. Almost yeah. a status right. thing to walk around but with if you a, go, a Starbucks. If you go into Starbucks, I mean, you see really nice glass countertops. You see, yeah. it's all it's all really nice. And I'm not saying anything bad about Dunkin' Donuts. When you go in, it's it's brown and orange, and it's kind of like you know, I just want to buy a pound yeah, of coffee and go home and go enjoy in and it. go out. It's, right. You don't right. hang out at Dunkin' so Donuts. So I don't. The fast food of coffee, yes. you know, just became That's secondary the to the elite experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is a great position for libraries to look at this kind of stuff and say, all right, we know this Amazon bookstore is coming out. We know that there are uh, overlapping joints where they offer what we offer. This place is is coming out. I think solely to appeal to millennials, which is our toughest mm. group to get to walk in our door. They think the library is so uncool and unnecessary mm -hmm. at this point. If you right. talk to them, right? You know that that it's it's a, it's a sin because they don't know what we offer. Yeah. So to become the cool place to go, you know, we have to take a pretty deep look at why we need to make a, a reboot or or kind of a reset of what we do. Well, and it's not, it's interesting. I think it's happening though. I think some libraries have. Some of them now have little coffee shops yeah, and, you know, and that's nice. you know, a fireplace and a cozy chair. I think they're trying, but it's hard to be all things to all people. Then you'll hear other people don't want that or they're annoyed right. that you wasted space on a reading nook or something like mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. it's, we, we unfortunately can't, you can't, you, know, please can't, everybody, right? you can't right. please everybody and we right. sort of have to please everybody. Right. And well, the other problem that, that libraries have is, yeah. and I, I preached this before, libraries are extremely good reaching the people who already come
come to the library. Yeah, that's true. You know, the signage is where? In front of the library. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Handouts for all kinds of different things are in the library. Right. You know, when it comes to actually getting the word out to non-library users, the only tool for that is the newsletter. Now, the newsletter, as much as, you know, everyone works really hard in all their libraries mm -hmm. on the newsletters, make sure that the spelling is correct, that they have a great description, that right. it's aesthetically pleasing, it's going to catch the eye. But what happens to it? It looks just like all the other junk mail that you get, mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten, I'm yeah. sure it just gets tossed, right. which will make environmentalists you know, very unhappy. And that's a good point, because there, so I don't know how many libraries that you folks know of that have an outreach and PR department. But Emma Clark does. And yeah. some of the stuff that comes out of that library, and, and it's not a plug for Emma Clark, I mean, some of the stuff in other libraries is great too, but it's professional. Yeah. It's like a commercial company came in, sat down, and did it. And this stuff is incredible. And, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, people want to, it, it's got to be appealing when you walk in. Yeah. Sure. You know? and, and it's got to be, you want to put that stuff in their face, but it's got to look good. You it has to look polished, right. clean, And I don't know how many libraries are going that correct way of outreach and PR departments. <clears throat> we, went, we went through a phase here at Howell Hills where we um, hung flyers in the supermarkets and we went to, we had packages we were sending out to churches. We may That's still cool. be doing that. Yeah. Um, and, and other daycares and, and other stuff too, which is, it sounds great, but... Have you seen any return on that? Uh, no. Yeah, and that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> um, and also you need to keep it up too and that yeah. requires staff time and that's right. you know it's just it, it becomes another thing that you kind of have to do in it, as part of your job and I'm not you know I don't mean to complain or knock or anything like that but it's it's tough to, we we just can't in shrinking budget shrinking staff push do as much as we would like to do and that, that thing that that hangs over us is the website too you know the yeah. newsletter the website should be first and primary your, your main place to send everybody, because everybody's on the internet, everybody's looking. Do people so, still go to websites, Bob? I, I go to a ton of websites. <laughs> Don't they just go and look at Facebook on their phone, and that's enough? I mean, some of them do, but mo I mean, most of the guys, that, folks that I hang out with, they still, I mean, I troll. I think websites I troll are the still internet. extremely relevant. I troll, yeah. Well, yeah. good websites are extremely relevant. Right. But I bad, web, bad websites like... are horrific, you know? And, and yeah. I do, I, I browse on the internet all day on my phone, besides the apps. You but know? would you go to the website, I mean, you don't, browse and go check out the library website. You go there if you need to reserve a book or something right, yeah. like that. Yeah. I think it was if it was done more of a search capability. So if I need if I needed to search everything the library offers and I could get to that from from their website, that'd be really cool. Yeah. So if I go to like almost like Google, if I could go to a search and search box and say renew item and it and it let me log in and then brought me right to that or if I could just go to the search and say, you know, car repair and it brought me mm. to the database and yeah. let me do it or just that's really all I think we need in this time because everybody knows how to use it doesn't take any training mm. you know most places that most libraries especially that offer new websites have this training manual that goes with it you know well you want to find your account mm, now the button true. move from the left to the right and you know so now it's, you know what I mean and that it's takes so patrons that that true. you know you see a patron at a computer well, going because to the, we want to push our programs right. and yeah, sure. push yeah. our staff and yeah. push tons so this we can't just be a minimal Google search either because we, yeah. we again we have this problem of being this amalgus institution that has a million pieces to it and needs to serve a million different markets. Right. So we just we're we're just a holy mess, you yeah. know. I mean, but we're we're the good guys too. I think you can have program programs and services on there, and then have the rest should just be easy to find. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where I. Let think us know when you figure that out, Bob. Me? Yeah. 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 Not, but still. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. It's somebody else we'll that listens to this. But you know what's interesting out, too? If you yeah, look if at, you're out there and you know yeah. how to do it. If, if, if you, you look at the statistics, go on the Facebook for, page. If you Don't go to the website. 
if you look at the statistics <laughs> for a website, Sorry, Chris. great point. Yeah. If you look at if you look at the click the one the clicks in and clicks out in the statistics of a website, usually most clicks for library websites. I'm only speaking from the one that I know. Are one click in, one click yeah, out. Yeah, I would. They're say looking to go into one particular spot yeah, and then they're out. Yeah, they just go out. to the catalog and, and pretty much. Or it's directions to the library, mm. or the hours of the library, yeah. which are still hard to find on most library websites. It is not yeah. all sometimes, of them, but most. Yeah, I want I, I can't. Sometimes I can't find the phone number because they all embedded in the image. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like yeah, that's annoying. Like, and and I want to copy and paste it. And then over in the, library, and and the like, corner, oh. it's like PO box. I can't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, a, a good web design, and forget about all the, the cool stuff like the slide downs and the right. carousels. At the very top, your public library right. on the upper right hand side or upper right. left hand side should be hours of operation, right. phone number. Right. Yeah. You know, just boom, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wonder what that would do to the site. But look, look what Google does, though. Look what Google does. I mean, I hate going back to Google. I'm not getting paid by them, not a sponsor of our show. <laughs> but go to Google and type in Half Hills Library. Yeah. And the first button you get underneath your return results are directions. So why not yes. put a directions button underneath the address on Correct. the stinking website? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are really simple things. That because people will go to somebody. Google first. They won't go to our website Well, first. probably, but they're going to wind up. They don't know our Chances URL. Are wind well, up you know, somewhere. it's funny well, to not bring that up. Depends on what it is. That's something that because it. It's not that In terms of, of the web now, I find a lot of seniors, when I say, well, okay, go to the address bar and type in www, and, like, and they just go to Google, and they put it in Google. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they say, oh, well, they do, yeah. well, now there's a list. I say, well, what do you mean there's a list? Didn't you go to the top and yeah, type in yeah. www. Right. Well, no, I just put it in Google. Right. They just know one well, you lost URL. Them. You lost them at address bar. But what's interesting <laughs> is... I don't know what address bar is. The very, don't drink anymore. <laughs> I'm going you know, seniors will do that. I just and got that. <laughs> 19, 18, 17-year-olds will do that, too. Yeah, that's so true. So there's a group of people that's in the true. middle, which uh, I'm in the middle, you guys are in yeah. the middle. Um, we know what an address Understand what a URL is and to put yeah. that in. But the younger kids, those old young kids, <laughs> no, not like an old man, but you know, the, the tweens to teens, Google. they're just going to Google. Yeah. The seniors are just going to Google. You know why? Because they have the Google app on the phone. Like, yeah. like yeah. Helen said, they're not going to www.whatthehellisat.google.com. They're just going to go to google.com. Yeah. You know, now when you That's see websites, they need to know. when you see the new marketing that, that commercial companies are doing, they're not using the HTTP nope. colons and this and yeah. slashes and www. And, and, and the triple W is going to go away too. It, it, it is. looks like well, an emoticon now. It, the dot yeah. dot is you know, yeah. slash slash. But the new the new trucks out there, you know, advertising their their stuff it just says you know so and so dot com. Yeah. There's no ridiculousness. You know, you don't need any of those prefixes before that. Right. So. But yeah, I mean, going okay. back to the, the yeah. Amazon model right. for a minute. <laughs> right. We, we that. went a little That's astray. okay. So yeah. we did a website show, too. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> websites are yeah. outdated. You start redoing them. We don't need websites anymore. Back right after I graduated from college, I worked at Borders. I opened the second Borders on Long Island. I was one of the... I wasn't a manager, but I wasn't staff either. Did you close it, too? He <laughs> <laughs> was the last man standing in Borders. <laughs> and they actually... If Amazon is going to do anything, they I think they're going to follow what Borders did initially. Borders initially, what they ended up doing, shoot themselves in the foot with the music, and, and that's what I think part of what killed them. Yeah. But initially what they did is they made it a, and this was a philosophy, making it a community center. Mm -hmm. One of the first things they did, because the one that I worked in was in Bohemia, they called it the Seville um, mm -hmm. uh, Borders, but it was really in Bohemia. They reached out to the local library, the Connectwa Public Library, before they even opened, and said, we're looking to hire people, can you recommend people? Mm. Um, we want to work with you. We're going to give you library discounts. We'll accept your, mm -hmm. your tax-free mm -hmm. certificates. You come and use this anytime you want. We'll share programming with you if we get programmers. 
And it was really interesting because they actually had somebody, the same way with the library, that did programming. Mm. And every Friday night they'd have something going on. Or even on a Wednesday night they had something going on. Plus they had the coffee bar right. where they made cappuccinos and espressos and all that stuff. Right. Kind of like, almost like a Starbucks model, right. but in the bookstore that Barnes & Noble has since you know kind of taken. But what they did was every Tuesday and Thursday, I think it was, was story time in the children's, in the children's section. So they were doing library-like things, mm -hmm. but were they really affecting what was happening at, let's say, the Kinequat Library or the Sachem Library or the Sava Library? Not really. If anything, they were partnering with libraries. So my hope is that if an Amazon um, moves into that same location where the Borders was, mm. that maybe they will do the same thing. I have no reason to think that they would or wouldn't. Nah. But the concern that I have is that you know, people, the 20-somethings and 30-somethings are going to go there instead of going to the local library. Yeah. And then they'll realize that they have to spend some money, and then they'll come back when they have kids. I, yeah, I, they're not coming anyway. Maybe. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe, yeah, I think well, you're right. You know, it's funny. At Sachem, we actually are having a little bit more resurgent of 20 and 30-somethings. We have the loft well, area. At Sachem. That, that, you guys Sachem. have the opportunity, mm -hmm. and, and you have a director that gives... I'm sorry. Yeah, Adore. You, you have a... Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Right. We have a very proactive director. Yeah. Um, and our previous director actually built the loft, uh, and we now have given it a purpose. And the purpose, there's a video display terminal there that people can plug their, their, their device into yeah. so they can give a presentation or help with a study group. And we see a lot of study groups going up there. And you know what the biggest used thing is? A dry erase board. Can we have the markers and, mm -hmm. and eraser for the dry erase board? There was one time I actually went up and said, so, you know, what are you guys studying? They were medical students at Stony Brook. That got together because they heard of that the loft area, and they were doing a study session because they were writing equations. Oh, no, that's and cool. I hope you got some sort of one-line uh, review from them because that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, they thought it was great. They were there that's for three awesome. weeks. But did they give you some sort of response like, "Hey, can you guys just tell us how much you really like this space because it's new"? And well, we have suggestion cards that we okay. can, and you know that we have the, the suggestion. I should have brought up your podcast equipment. I've been like, "Hey." Yeah, sit down and talk. Tell so, us why you love us. At we we have been drawing a little bit from mm -hmm. the 20 and 30-somethings. I think there's going to be, uh, in the future, we're going to be doing other things. And almost like what Border was doing, Borders was doing, we're gonna do, we've done some after-hours programming. Uh, we'd like to bring in some musicians. Even if there's just a, a, a guy up in the loft playing a guitar on a Friday night, mm. you know, people will come. Now, mm -hmm. Sachem also has a cafe. It doesn't have the fancy drinks, but it does have a coffee, uh, coffee and juice and iced tea and things right. like that. So that's kind of a draw too. And I know we actually at Sachem have a community services department, and they do all the publicity, the programming, yeah. and they're wonderful. Right. They get all kinds of, and they get stuff from all different backgrounds, everything from quilting to musical programs to lectures and discussions. So they do a really nice job of being as broad as they can to try to cover all the different aspects of the, the population. Yeah. And I think that if we can do something like that in all libraries, even if it's a, something where the musician just comes in and plays, and we have open mic night or things like that, mm. I think that will draw people in. But again, libraries are not good at reaching the people who mm. don't come. And although SCLS had the TV commercials, which were very good TV commercials, mm -hmm. I don't think they really reached the target of what libraries are trying to, to attract and what we're doing. The target is a moving target, and it's a it's true. huge target, too. We want kids, we want parents, we want seniors, we want millennials, 
we want teens, you know, it's too big. It's too big. You have to, I, I, one thing that I thought that they were trying to do with those commercials, which I thought was good, was kind of narrow the target a little bit and just sort of, you know, uh, the people playing cards and stuff like that. And I think people listening to this broadcast will not have seen those commercials, so we should probably not talk about them. <laughs> but we try, our library system tried. And, right. they, and they, they did their best that they could do. Right. So they I did guess what they the, could do. Do you want to move into the final? Uh, I'm probably harsh, Is it over already? Harshest what? part Wait of our minute. <laughs> the oh. stats? Yes. Oh, the stats. Let's talk stats. Oh, big you know, data. And, and, it's, and it's tough. It, it, it's, um, we've looked at statistics, and I can only speak for you know, a handful of libraries, but um, over the last five years, they've gone down tremendously. And I'm, when I say stats, I'm not saying just blatant stuff. I'm saying um, circulation statistics. When, right. you, when somebody goes up to the circ desk and actually checks out a book and returns it. When um, I'm talking gate counts and gate counts, well, that's more somebody important. walks in and they walk out. Right. You know, and um, I'd rather have higher gate counts and lower circ stats because they can read a book in the library. So lower circ stats you can kind of live with because they may not be checking in, checking out. They may be in the library reading the book, and we have shelving stats for that. Mm -hmm. You know, you ask the patron well, not to put going the, on the Wi-Fi, and you ask them not to put the book back so that you can count that as a book you know, being used as well. Um, but the gate counts are the ones that hurt the most because that means that, you know, as a, you know, compared to this time last year, how many times did somebody come in out of this library? And they're going down um, across the board in most libraries. I mean, maybe there are some libraries that are seeing, you know, peaks and valleys and things like that. But if you look, you know, way back to 2010, 11, 12, um, and you look back to the crash of, when was it, 08 or so? Yeah. Oh, so um, 08, yeah. Boy, we started to, we started to come back. Because mm -hmm. people weren't mm -hmm. buying Netflix subscriptions and they weren't buying into these other services that they say, well, you know what, library kind of gives me the same type of service. You know, I can drive there and pick up some movies instead of streaming it over my Wi-Fi because I've kind of, you know, mm -hmm. cashed in a little bit on the Optum mm -hmm. package mm -hmm. and lowered that a little bit. So maybe I went to DSL and I did just kind of, you know, try to find some way to save some money. We're great at that. Yeah. Library's great at providing ways to save money because everything's already Good taken care us. of through your tax dollars. Well, so, even one step further, after... Um, Hurricane Sandy. Right. Yeah. What People happened? People came in and they charged up their devices. They, you know, yeah. the libraries had power. Yeah. Right? Some of us. Not some, all of us. Of, yeah. But what happened? Yeah. Everyone came to the yeah, library. They did. Yeah. And they what did. were they doing? They were charging their devices. That's what we put on our Twitter feed and on our Facebook page. We have power. And they came running. Power, power yeah. to the people. Yeah. You know, but unless you have four hurricanes a year, your stats are going down. <laughs> but I listen, Bob, I gotta say that ebook circulation is through the roof. Every year goes higher and higher yeah. and higher. So gate counts are going down, yeah, right. and maybe circ stats are going down, but ebook circs are going up. And does that are they going up enough with website visits and use of the database? Well, nobody too. goes to the website. Are they, we already decided are those, that. Are those, <laughs> are those, are those, are those Our things, Facebook stats are going up. Are those statistics enough, you know? Well, they are what they are. So, yeah, but they really, really can't be because somebody, you know, every year there's a state report. And I've never seen a budget go down. So if you vote on a, you know, four or five, mm -hmm. six million dollar budget each year and you say that it's going for prof professional services, A, B, C, D, the librarians get paid this, the mm -hmm. director gets paid that. Okay, so your state report gets filled out at the end of every year. Yeah. And those numbers get compared, should get compared to last year, the year before, the year mm -hmm. before that, and next year. So you look back, a current and a forward. So don't you think that board members and directors and the state folks up in Albany, the bean counters that have to look at these things, eventually will say, this is kind of interesting. They're asking for more money every year. Every year they show up with a couple of buses at Albany and they say, give us more money, mm -hmm. pay for the services the patrons want. But yet they're showing less statistics in gate counts and use. So, I mean, that's a, that's a harsh reality. They're using us less 
and they're paying more. Mm. And I don't want to just say that to start a big you know, thing across the country. Right. It's true, though. Look at the statistics. For some libraries, they are using us less, yeah. and we are charging them more. And when Albany looks at these, these uh, state reports that have to get submitted every year, eventually somebody's going to take out three state reports for each library and go, they're asking for four, for five, for five and a half million dollars, and they're being used 3% less. Four percent less, well, five percent less. But I, think I don't that, know if that's necessarily true. Well, for some it, it is. For well, some, it's. I absolutely, think absolutely. there has to be an, also an analysis of services that are provided, like streaming video, yes. streaming audio, and program attendance. Program attendance. But it all goes by. In the end, when when times get tough and money gets hard, yeah. it's all going to go by numbers. Right. Is your community? Are your patrons saying that they want you by using you, not by not by a statistical survey of we love libraries right. and they're for our community. Yeah. Because when it comes down to tough times, and the latest, pe this is the funny part that I, that I read that scared me, for the first time ever in pure internet research history, um, patrons said in 2015 that they were a little less concerned about keeping libraries. Hmm. Now that was, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I don't remember reading they didn't that, say that They didn't say that they wanted libraries to go away, but they've never had it where people said, eh, they're not as concerned with libraries and the health of the library as they used to be. I don't think because that's it's, what a, it's an afterthought. I think that they felt that they personally didn't use it as much, but they felt that it was extremely important to have one in the community. So that, they were that, not. Yeah. So but, that's a fine line. But this is the 2015 was the first year they saw them say they're not as concerned. Whether okay, they're there I didn't or not. see that. Yeah, and it was just a small group of people, okay. but still, it was it was said. That scares me a little, mm -hmm. you know, because if they're using us less, and and all of a sudden it comes down to, um, you know, what are they going to do with their tax dollar and their budget, you know. Again, how many people show up for budget votes? Mm. It's it's astounding it to it think is. you have a community of fifty thousand people, right? And six hundred show up yeah. or I less. Think only the fire districts have less than turnout. Show up for us. Oh, is that it's right? like it's yeah. like what you know, and and yeah. so what happens if these people, if these folks up in Albany or the boards, look at these numbers and say, you know, uh, stats are down, and you keep asking for money, keep hiring more people, keep asking for hours. You know, we want a twenty percent across the board cut. Well, they hire part-time people now. Yeah, no, that's what they do. So that's right. one how far way of can, saving how far some can money. That go? And yeah. what if it what if it comes down from from the top down and says you are asking for more and you are serving less? It, what if that becomes a fact? What if it's not just well? That's why we need to reinvent stuff. ourselves. Well, I yeah, think absolutely. every exactly. library exactly, and that's, why, and that's all I'm saying has used uh, that sure. phrase. Right. I'm not saying Amazon's going to put us out of business. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to be a warehouse with three employees. I'm saying exactly what you said. Right. Think about reinventing yourself. If the carpet is dingy and dirty. And you have and you have a reserve fund of two, three, four, five million dollars. Here's an idea: if the patrons can tell you the more than four hundred that come to vote your budget, replace <laughs> the carpet. Yeah. If right. the bathrooms are dated, if the hallway's disgusting, well, if I there's agree. a coffee stain in the entranceway that's been there for yeah. seven years, replace the carpet. You know what I'm saying? Like, become appealing to your community I, visually. I agree completely. Visually yep. and like Ellen said, reinvent your programming, your services. What works? Absolutely. What works? Keep it. Mm -hmm. What doesn't work? Get rid of yeah. it. Have the guts to say. We're not going to have that. We're going to do and this. And also have the vision to just look outside of what has mm -hmm. okay, traditional. Some, tradition, what we've always been doing. Well, I'm, that's, hold, that's I'm holding quotes up. If you want to do a PSA, do a public service announcement real quick, it's to tell the boards and the directors and, and the people that, that, that behind the scenes run these libraries to become passionate. Yeah. And, and you have can, to. And I can risk mm -hmm. my job in saying, don't show up for an hour a month. Mm -hmm. You know, come in, look around yeah. and say, how can we make this play? How can we, Ellen, quote unquote, reinvent the library service model? You know what I think part of the problem is? 
and I'm sure there's, I'm going to get a lot of negative feedback from <laughs> this one statement. Mute the mic. The word library is a word that is so old. Mm-hmm. You know, you think oh, library and what comes to mind. A librarian with mm-hmm. a bun in her hair, yeah. the glasses on a chain, and she's 90 years old. Oh, and me. you can't talk. <laughs> no, you can't do anything. <laughs> no, but you can't do anything. You can't talk. You can't drink. You can't do this. You can't yeah, do that. The word, yeah. the culture of no. The culture of no where libraries are more like community centers now. Yeah. I don't know if there's a better way to describe it yeah. instead of community way. center. You know, That's what we would like to Not that to we're looking for this, this sexy name to yeah. rename libraries, but the word library, it I don't want to use the word dated, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's an old-fashioned name. Yeah. It's exactly what you said. We did a Long Island Library Conference discussion. Ellen, you might have been involved. I don't remember. I probably five remember. years ago. And it was called like the Library of No. And it showed all these stereotypical types in mm-hmm. libraries saying, you have to no be cell quiet. Phones. No cell phones. You, yeah. have you to can't be quiet. do this. You, you can't, can't do that. that. Right. Yeah. Shaking no drinking, finger. no eating, you know, nobody, no, no Nobody's caught up to you in Starbucks and this Amazon bookstore saying, you know, fellow us, this is a tutoring area. <laughs> you have to go upstairs to make noise next yeah. to the bathroom. You yeah. Or even better, <laughs> there's, there's no tutoring at the library. Oh, that's that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Library is as much a community center as it is a library. Books were the thing for knowledge for a very long time, for millennia. But since the 80s, Mm -hmm. started with InfoTrack, it's now moving and progressing and becoming more and more digital and more and more off-site and more and more accessible and tangible in other ways where the library is a facilitator as opposed to a facility. Right. So... Libraries are continuing to invent themselves, and that's why makerspaces and 3D printers yeah. and laser scanners and all this other stuff. It's good use of our building. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, people say, well, why are you getting rid of all those books? We have more than enough books. We're just getting rid of extras because yeah. we're making space for this new stuff. Right. And there's always going to be people who say, yeah. no, yeah. I don't want this. This is terrible. But for every person that says no, Another new person may walk in and say, whoa, you have a 3D printer? Yeah. yeah. And that's whoa, what you, you have every day when yeah. that happens. And we need the whoa factor again. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I personally think the library should be like the Station Public Library and Community Center. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a really big sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, nice you know, mm-hmm. it's... It, and there, until somebody comes up or invents a new word for taking those two things and squashing mm-hmm. them together into something new that's a... Communibrary. Communi- yeah. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Well, you know what? Maybe library should not be part of the name. Yeah. You know, I, no. I, I don't know. You don't. You don't know. I mean, it, you know. It, this is all part like of the. This is part of the discussion right. of how we. Yeah. I think you'll be shot if you and take they, that. Yeah. I hate yeah. saying reinvent no, ourselves. To be ashamed right. of. Because we're not reinventing ourselves. We're evolving. Evolving is a better way to put it. No, but, what, but you know what? Most libraries aren't doing that. Most libraries are stuck mm. in, in there are five libraries or that are ten stuck. years ago. Mm-hmm. They're so stuck. Yeah. And not just on their website, but in decision making. You know, like. Uh, should we, you know, do you think we should talk about no. a 3D? Oh, no, 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 and no, and more no, you know? I have a, no, but I have an idea. No, no, there's no, there's no ideas here. We're a library. Yeah, that's right. So, you know. I, I've seen physical altercations over water and coffee. Taxpaying, <laughs> and I'm not saying that, you know, listen, your policies are your policies. But when you get into a physical altercation with somebody over water and coffee, mm-hmm. that's troublesome. Because yeah, with the use of social media, they're like, I just got a cost at the library for having coffee, you know, and all their friends are going to read it. Yeah. Well, it, it begs the question, you know, what, what happens next and what comes next? Yeah. Well, we do exactly what you said. We evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we kick, we kick the people in the pants that aren't evolving yeah. because they're doing us a disservice as it is. Right. As opposed to, you know, you can't say we're reinventing ourselves because that's assuming there's something wrong. 
as opposed to an evolution, which means there's a change for the better. Yeah. But if, you, if you're stuck for five years, then you need to reinvent because you missed the evolving right. process. You know what I mean? I think that's <laughs> what Ellen meant. It's time for radical change. Yeah, what, what you probably meant is like, like you're, you're down to the spot where you have to reinvent because evolving, you, yeah. can't, you can't catch it's up. It's too late. That's you true. missed you the cut Darwinian the cord, burn the place down and, and, experience. Right. And restart, yeah. And right. now yeah. you need to die. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is, this has been a great discussion. Um, and I think, you know, we should talk about this more in the future. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to actually uh, take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Ellen, who has some really wonderful things happening at the Half Hollow Hills Community Library with 3D printing. And uh, she also has a very interesting uh, history. Mm, we'll see. With me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to speak with Ellen, our guest today. So stay with us. Welcome back. Here we are now. We're actually going to speak with uh, <clears throat> with Ellen Druda, who is the digital services librarian. Is that right? No. No. <laughs> what, what, what's your title? Um, I have a fake title. It's Internet Services, Internet and Technology. That's what we're calling me this week. So okay. digital services sounds good too. Okay. At the Half Hollow Hills Community Library in Dix Hills, New York. Um, now. Uh, you also have you have two locations, right? Yes, Dix Hills and Melville. Our bigger, our main branches in Dix Hills. Uh, we have a smaller building in Melville. Okay, so the website for the library. Now that we're talking about <laughs> yes, is, uh, it's hhhlibrary.org. Is that That's correct? Correct. Okay, no yes. www. No W's. We're yeah. getting rid of the W's. Yeah. W's is so two thousand. So my God, no, yeah. it's embarrassing. So Ellen's come to share her experiences and develops and developments in the field of uh, a project that's near and dear to her heart with Enable. Mm -hmm. um, she and her staff, along with teens from her district, um, are 3D printing prosthetic hands for children who can afford them. But before we talk about that project, which okay. is a very exciting project, yes, um, tell us a little bit about the library. Uh, we talked about the locations. Right. Um, when did the library open? Uh, the Melville branch, the smaller building, opened, um, I think it was 1959, and it was started uh, with a book collection, I think, by the Boy Scouts, and uh, they built the newer build, this, um, you know, the new building in 1967, um, and it's due for, a, it's really due for a revamp. It's due for a revamp, so we're looking forward to possibly getting uh, 
a, a new building. That's exciting. From here, yeah, we're all we're all very hopeful because it's uh, talk about this. Oh, well, I don't want to say it, but you know, talk about needing a facelift. Mm -hmm. We could use it here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, so you actually have a very interesting story oh, about okay. your beginnings and and how things started. Yeah. Um, for you, um, tell us a little bit about your history. Okay, so. Um, I, when I was a kid, I was the book nerd and I was the AV nerd, and uh, that was that was my um, thing. Hmm. And I went to, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll tell you the, the the whole, you know, I, I'll try not to be too long-winded, but I, when I was a kid and I was growing up in Ballastream, New York, and I got older and I was looking for jobs because I was always interested in reading and always interested in technology, even back in the ancient days. Um, and I looked for jobs, and I would look in the New York Times for help-wanted ads, and I remember being, I guess, surprised, although I guess I really wasn't surprised, that at that time in the um, mid-60s, the want ads were help-wanted men and help-wanted women. And when you looked in the help-wanted women, it was secretarial, it was administrative assistant, it was clerk, it was something you could never really do what you really, uh, at least I thought that I could not really do what I wanted to do. So that was a little part of my background and it, it sort of awoke the feminist within me uh, and kind of lived with that because what are you going to do? Uh, I went away to college. I went away to Emerson College in Boston and I had a wonderful time there. Yay, Boston. Yay, Boston. Um, I loved it. And uh, when I came out of Emerson College, I wanted to work in film and television. Uh, that was what I got my degree in. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to get a job. Well, let's see, I've got my whole history mixed up. So I, I came out of college and I tried to get a job in that and I discovered that I didn't have any talent or connections. So I had to kind of put that on the back burner. And I went to library school shortly after I graduated because from my years in Boston, I used to visit the Boston Public Library. Copley Square. Copley Square. Copley. Copley. And uh, I spent a lot of happy hours reading in there. And I knew that I could fit in in libraries. So that was sort of in my back pocket. You know, just as an aside, have you ever, did you ever go up to Harvard and go study in their library? No. I used Amazing to go up to Harvard library. to look for guys. That was about oh, it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, I used to go there. No, no luck on either end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lived up there for a year and a half and went to school up there. Up around and Harvard? Not at Harvard. Oh, okay. No, I'm not that smart. Okay. <laughs> I was lucky to even be there at all. Yeah. Um, but we, we would go up to Harvard yeah. to, to study because where we went to school, it was, you want to talk about a culture of, no, you couldn't even, you were lucky to be able to breathe. Yeah. And uh, so we used to go up to Harvard, which, yeah, you couldn't breathe there either, but at least you were in Harvard. Yeah. You know, so kind you, of surrounded you by giant brains. Steps that were, you know, walked on by giants. Yeah. And people, you're probably sitting in the same place that maybe... Ugh. Who knows? I would have studied that. enjoyed it. it. I have to really say, it never occurred to me. And the Auburn Pan right across the street was great too. Okay, well that um, doesn't hurt. Okay, but anyway, back. Anyway, anyway, so um, so I I had this MLS in my pocket. I still was interested in working in communications. I was lucky enough to get a job at CBS News in their film tape library. And I thought I was doing pretty good. And so CBS the network, not CBS the local. CBS the affiliate. network. Well, CBS local also used the library as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, we supplied both local news and network news. And, and the way it used to work was that the, the cameramen and the editors would go out in the field and they would shoot all the stories and they'd come back 
with a mix, at that time, a mix of film and a mix of tape. Mm. You know, they were just sort of getting into portable videotape at that time as well. So it would come back to us, and uh, nowadays we would call it cataloging. Back then we used to call it shot listing. We would look at all the raw footage and sort of say, okay, at one minute, Morton Downey said this. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, a little further on, there was an explosion. And, you know, so then when the editors for the show or the showrunners would come and say, we need five minutes of fire. So you need like B-roll stuff. Yeah. I guess that was it. It was everything. Did you actually cut and splice tape? No. No, I just indexed it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, They would come back and we had our ancient computer system where we could find a reel of stuff Mm. and supply them with what they needed. So that was good, but I really wanted to work as a um, editor and a film cameraman, and I still thought that I could do that. So I was, again, managed to work my way into the, um, ah, okay, into, they had a little special school that they sent the camera people to, and I managed to get myself into this editing class where I learned about editing uh, two-inch tape videotape and doing it all by giant machines very it was a lot of fun Hmm. and I thought okay now I can be an editor I can be a cameraman I went back to the guy who assigns people stories and he said "Uh, no women nope really yeah so I was I left in a huff (laughs) <laughs> I was also at the same time working for 60 Minutes, which I forgot to put no, in there. No, that's really cool. 60 Minutes was a lot of fun. We were much smaller staff, and in addition to getting the film and tape to shot list, <clears throat> we used to get, um, sometimes you would get artifacts that came along with the stories, script, um, some other kind of piece that went along with the story, a, a photograph, something like that, that they had, you know, the cameraman editors had put in a box and shoved into the library, and we would have to open the box and list all the contents, and then shot list the film. Wow. So that was a lot of fun. And we went through the Jonestown Massacre. I remember that. Wow. Looking at all the real footage of that was pretty gross. And um, I remember the first Pope John, Pope John Paul. Was he, the first? he was, and he then was, it was Pope John Paul II. Right. Right, yeah, the first, the first one. Um, that's up. But anyway, who cares? Um, I. No, it's very interesting. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know many people that worked for 60 mm-hmm. Minutes. I mean, that's, that's yeah. actually very interesting. It's it was. Awesome. It was a lot of fun at that time. And so, but I was annoyed I couldn't do what I really wanted to do. So I, I left I left CBS. And, and this is where it gets really cool. Yeah. And luckily enough, um, I ha- I've been fortunate in the way things have timed out for me, I think, because I, I left. And that was the beginning of the cable revolution. Uh, other people were leaving as well. People were leaving 60 Minutes, leaving uh, Walter Cronkite. And going down to CNN, it was this new thing in Atlanta, CNN. They would go down and do that. So I left and I found out that MTV was uh, starting up. I found an ad in the New York Times that was n- didn't mention men or women. And I w- they just needed film uh, tape editors. I applied for the job. I got the job because of my experience at CBS. And I got to work at MTV. And they were right here on Long Island where I worked. So it was nice. I could commute and... Brand new building, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Um, they were not even aired in the New York area at the time. That is amazing. Yeah. You figured the number one market you'd want to be here. Yeah, they just, I guess they were too expensive for Cablevision or something. I'd, and then they started running the ads on the other networks, I want my MTV. Right. And yeah. then the demand was so high. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> Cablevision or Optimum or whatever they were called back then um, finally bought the MTV package. And we were. I could see now I could see my work at all. Were they Viacom? 
MTV was Viacom. Yeah, yes. right, yeah. Yeah. Cablevision was Viacom. Too, I, I, I grew up. Oh, were they? I was in the MTV era, so yeah. Oh, okay. At the end, it all was Viacom. It was Viacom. Yeah, it was, it was Viacom. Cool. Yeah. A Viacom the, company or something yeah, like yeah, that, something right? Like that. Yes, yeah. it, it definitely was. Definitely was Viacom at the that time so too. Yeah. So that was great, and I we had a lot of laughs, and it was a lot of fun, and you know, I still have friends that I, you know. Facebook friends from my old MTV days. We had a good time. But um, I had to leave MTV because um, I got pregnant, which was a good thing. I'm not, you know, I, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Uh, and you guys have daughters, so you know how wonderful Absolutely. it is to have a daughter sure. in your life. Especially when you're painting their room for four days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. right. Yeah. Daddy, Chris it's is not red <laughs> enough. <laughs> Let, give me the roll or I'll do it. Paint. It still looks pink. Yeah, all right. I think yeah. it needs another coat, Dad. Yeah, exactly. You missed a spot. You missed a spot. Or two or four. No, but we, we were very lucky. So um, I, I, I was able to come back, check out of MTV, and again, I was lucky because it was sort of the beginning of the internet and the home computer revolution. Mm -hmm. We had a, a computer, and because of my husband's work, we had a Prodigy account which was... That's uh, awesome. I, I don't know if people know what the heck Prodigy... That brings back memories. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was a it was a pay, pay dial-in service. So, and they gave you an account, and they gave you an email address, which was totally great. And you could go and pay and connect to the Prodigy service, and then they had bulletin boards and... I don't even... Chat? Or I don't they even chat, remember. They had news. News. Um, I don't even remember what it was anymore. I just used I used it to communicate with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. she was still JJDW seventy six A. I'll never forget that. That was because you couldn't create your own. You're get a lot of spam there now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know, right? I know, right? Um, but yeah, it was it dial up with the 9600 baud modem. Yeah, and you know, and you would dial in, and it would be your email, and it would be like a home page. It had like some rudimentary news on I it, guess. And sports, and some stocks. But it was very primitive. It know? was very, yeah, it was very primitive. Bulletin boards were fantastic. Yeah, you that's start what your I own, remember. Start your own group and community. The group and, uh, community, yep, yep. That, that whole idea of having um, friends that were not your, living in your state or your neighborhood, they were yeah. somewhere across the country. And because of email, which was sort of a new thing, you could now talk every day to them. And, and not have to wait till 10 o'clock to make a long distance phone call. Yeah, I, I and I would email and then I would, Come back the next day and they had answered me and you know it was it's exciting I, it was very exciting instant and pen I, pal what instant pen pal instant pen pal yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the real beginnings of facebook it was the real beginnings yeah. of facebook yeah and, and, and the, the time, whole idea of social aol was their biggest competitor yeah and aol wasn't aol yet it was something called promenade oh i didn't know and about then that. promenade the only reason why i remember that is because I, I bought a 386 computer and you had a you had a choice between Prodigy with pre-installed software or Promenade. Ah. And then when you went to Promenade and you clicked it, you would dial in, and the phone number would boot you and send a message saying, "We're now AOL." Oh, so you could still see that, right? Yeah, and then, yeah. I, then they changed yeah. the software, and you could actually do a download patch when you connected to the new server, and they would change yeah. the software over to AOL. AOL I was on the AOL discs when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, AOL, yeah. big. I'd wait in the mailbox. <laughs> the AOL. new one AOL. AOL. <laughs> and I remember everybody was ditching Prodigy for AOL oh, yeah. too so yep. we, we had to get AOL and we paid for AOL oh my god um, 
So I was lucky enough, I'd, because I had my daughter, I was working very part-time. I was home, and I learned how to work a computer. I learned about Windows 3.1 and file management and desktop and, and all that stuff. So again, I was a little bit right place, right time for the computer revolution as well. And because I was knew about computers and I was home and I was then I started to look for part-time work, I remembered that I had that MLS in my pocket and I decided to go for my first library job. And where was that? And that was at Deer Park Library, which was my home library. Mm -hmm. And I really, I walked into it, just walked in blind. And um, I remember thinking, oh, maybe they'll hire me like as a page or an assistant. I didn't even know the word page, like an assistant or I could shelve books or something. I didn't really think that they would really hire me as a librarian. But sure enough, it was like, at that time they needed librarians. So they were like, yeah, when can you start? Oh my God, sure, come on in. So that's how technology and librarianship uh, came together for me. So that that's kind of my story, I guess. Um, that's the beginnings of it anyway. So tell us about, because I know one thing that you're really proud of is, is bringing the computer assistance yes. teaching aspect into libraries. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, I remember I was telling you about this a little while ago, that um, we, the way it worked, um, and I'm going to go off into my other story about TIFF, which I'll explain. But Which is the Technology Information Forum here in Suffolk County, New York. Right. It's a branch of uh, Suffolk County Library Association. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we get together once a month and we talk about topics uh, relating to You better technology. get a cat's plug in there if you're going to. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't do that, Nick will be yes. not happy. Cats is um, computer and technolo technology services. Technical, technical, technical services. services. Yes. Technical services. Only yeah. them have. No, Doesn't yeah. it have automated in it somewhere, too? Uh, computer and technology services. No. Oh, no. I thought that's PALS. Oh, that's right. That's the A for So many PALS. acronyms right. for, for yes, people who yeah, aren't yeah. in the Suffolk County Library world. Just fast forward. Call us. I have a number. Push one. Fast forward. So TIFF is a technology information forum, which is associated with CATS, which is Computer and Technical <laughs> Services, which is a branch of the Suffolk County Library Association. SCLA, which is Suffolk County Library Association. Now that you've turned this episode off. Which is a division Which is a division of NYLA. Join us next week when we have some discuss acronyms and how annoying they are. So, But the Technology Information Forum is something that we're all involved with. Yeah. We meet once a month and we talk about interesting computer-related uh, things that are happening in libraries. And sometimes it's more computer-related, sometimes it's not so computer-related. Um, but what's nice is, and Bob, I'm just kind of stealing your thunder a little bit. No, it, I don't have any more thunder. It's I'm all lightning. It's well. It started I'm all, back... I'm all lightning. Ellen's going to talk more about when it first started, but it used to be all IT people. Mm -hmm. And now it's a, a nice 50-50 right. uh, technology information professional and librarian mix. That's so. right. And that was, when I first... Um, started getting involved in the technology in the libraries and I, I there was a, our, our library system used to have monthly meetings because our wonderful Suffolk County library system also offered free dial-up service to mm -hmm. library card holders which was incredible at the time I guess this was early 90s um, so people did not have to pay for Prodigy did not have to pay for AOL they had free service through their library and they got an email address along with it yeah. and because now suddenly this technology was available for free through our patrons, people were also getting computers, um, hand-me-down computers or new computers, and you would hear 
people would come into the library and say, what's all this about the internet? And every time they put on the TV, they'd be www something, you know, what's all this stuff? So the, it was all kind of a lot of factors coming together. People now could afford to buy a computer. There was now the internet available to them. And now they had a free way to access all this stuff. It, mm -hmm. it all came together. So a lot of libraries uh, in our area decided to offer classes because we were giving this free service to our patrons. And uh, we, at our Half Hollow Hills Library, we did the same. And we, it was SRO for a long time. And then um, it sort of kind of dwindled down. And I couldn't, I didn't know why. People were just sort of stopped coming. And I thought, oh, because I'm doing it during the day or because I'm doing it at night or they don't, Everybody who needs to know about email already knows about email. I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I still to this day don't know why people stop coming. Maybe I have bad breath. I don't know. They just they didn't want to <laughs> deal with me. And I can my, attest that's not the case. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm certainly not here. <gasps> okay, well, We're that's all very nice around the same mic, say. and I don't smell anybody's <laughs> bad right. breath. Okay. I probably get the worst now breath. Now I'm right. totally self-conscious. Um, but uh, th things started to poop out a little bit here as far as the formal classes, the schedule classes. So I remember coming to a meeting and saying, at my library, sitting around the department heads uh, and saying, why don't we just off do it by appointment? Mm -hmm. Just have people come when they want to come, and we'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. Because what was happening in my tiny little classes where two people came, they just wanted to really just want to ask me one question, and they yeah. really didn't care about the topic, right. and they, they just really wanted to... And the rest of their sitting was a waste of their that's time. That's right. Yeah. So... Uh, it, Let's just cut to the chase and do this. So I remember mentioning that, that at my in my library department head meeting and sort of getting a, a mixed response. People thought that was kind of, I don't know, not a great idea. My library director said try it as a pilot project. That was her favorite thing to say. So I was happy to do that. And it exploded. We got, I, I was so backed up. I, people would call for appointments, and they had to wait six months to get the stupid appointment. And no know? one was doing it. No other library. Uh, it was only me, and also I had to cover the reference desk. Oh, oh, also, by the way, I also had to do my shifts on the desk. So it, That's it, it was difficult. Um, and then I found out a few months later, so I started to go into these uh, meetings, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But um, And then slowly but surely, other libraries adopted the model, too. So I kind of felt like I infected the county <laughs> with this idea and it was really a good thing so I feel happy that I thought of it other people may have thought of it at the same time and maybe it's just coincidence that it timed out that way but it's something I I know I definitely started here at Half Hollow so talking about these meetings we had this internet service that we offered our patrons Suffolk web and as I said people new computers anxious to get on the internet it was all happening and our library system offered uh, monthly meetings that was for people, the support. When your patrons called in and they had trouble connecting or didn't know how to what to do, each library sort of had a designated person, point person for the patrons to talk to, and I was one of those people. And uh, we would meet on a monthly basis, and it would be a mix of sort of network administrators and librarians, and we'd kind of talk and exchange war stories. But there was definitely, if my memory serves me correctly, there was a little bit of hostility in the room between the two factions. We had the techie guys and we had the librarians. And the librarians thought that the techie guys, all they know is their computer. They don't know how to talk to people. You know, there's something wrong with them. 
And I think the tech guys thought the librarians, you know, lazy, didn't understand anything, too stupid. Am I, am I saying the right no. stuff, Bob? No, you're being a real <laughs> deal. Bob is chuckling. That's the real deal. Yeah, that's exactly So there was a little was. bit of yeah. a, a headbutt, and some people actually sort of said stuff out loud. I yeah. don't know if you remember. Oh, I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. They took issues with each other. <laughs> I can was, tell you that. It was, it was um, it, amusing in retrospect. I think that's why a lot of people came. They were like, who's going to flip out this time? It's either <laughs> yeah, going to be a librarian or a tech guy. They're going to go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then I heard about that the tech guys were had their own sort of secret meetings also, so I really yeah well that's what I remember I you know I'm kind of old and demented I don't really remember stuff right anymore but that's what I recall was that the way it was Bob and no, my, comment. no comment no comment excellent so it must Look have been that. true it's I plead the fifth what, what does everybody do now when they're in trouble they plead the fifth I don't know what happened secret I don't recall I don't recall anything <laughs> happening at that time there was nothing I especially the way you <laughs> described it <laughs> so I, I understood that there were these other meetings going on that were just the tech guys they didn't want to talk to the librarians they just wanted to deal with their own issues. So, of course, I had to go and invade their space as well. <laughs> you know, kind of muscle my way into their meetings as well. And I remember going into that, that first meet, the first one that I attended to, I, there was one other woman in the room. Here I go back on my feminist rant. But there was one other woman in the room and certainly no other librarians. And I came in there and it was not, I think people were very nice, actually. Nobody yeah. acted mean to me no. at all. Uh, but I didn't know what the heck you guys were talking about. And, you know, you want to talk dirty to me? You know, you talk about computers and you right. talk about wires. And I'm yeah. like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't even understand what you're saying, but it's making me excited. So I was, um, the more I heard about it, the more I wanted to know. I started going, and then a little by little, some other people started trickling in other librarians and me and definitely some other uh, female network administrators and yeah. and um, kudos to our co-host here Bob because he took over the running of these meetings renamed them and they are now I think Bob right 50 50 yeah, yeah, so. network yes. yeah, and I mean, librarians that, that's exactly what happened you know when um, Jim Belletti used to run it, and he did a fantastic job running it, you know, during the time. And then um, when uh, Jim left, I believe, to go take another job. Um, what could that be? I, I think he's working at Avalon Hill now. <laughs> Actually, but, yes. Know, he, left, he left a he great left a plan bit. for the future. Mm -hmm. And um, then Ted... Ted Gutman got involved, and we took the group underneath CATS, and that's how it actually started. It was mm. a standalone group under SCLS. And when SCLS, um, when Jim left, there wasn't really anyone at SCLS that was going to run it. That's right. And um, we didn't want to see this, this fantastic group that there wasn't really much compared to die. So Ted took, Ted and I kind of, we did at the time put our careers on the line because this could either go really well and be something great for the community and for the libraries in Suffolk and Nassau County, or um, it could go disasterly, you know, and, and, and have these fist fights and all these other things and then have it explode and then we would just not need to work anymore. Um, Wrestling, thank, world, WW, something, yeah. I got it worked out, yeah. but it, it, it did. So, you know, Ted really took it under his wing because at the time he was the president of the Computer and Technical oh, yeah. Services Division. And, and forgot about that. We, we kind of, we agreed, we said, you know, what do you think? Should we do this? And if we do, there's not really any turn back. It has to work out. If it doesn't work out, this is going to be the end of any sort of, you know, Bob and Ted show, and um, <laughs> it did it did work out. Yeah. Bob and, and Ted and, show, and, that's a good one. And he let, and he let it go, like he let it he let it happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I definitely wanted it to happen, but I didn't have the power to say yes. Uh, Ted did, and he did, and and I think it, the timing it, it was right for it. As absolutely. Well. Oh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a group 
You yeah. know? And I think that it would be, a, you know, we would have suffered. Libraries would have suffered if that group didn't continue. And now it's huge. I mean, now it's Chris huge. is helping run it, and Dom's helping run it, and yeah. Ellen, you're a huge part of it. Yeah. And the ERC's been built up now, yeah. and it's be, and it's tremendous. Yeah. So, so it, it had a big effect. You know? yeah, what I, th I find interesting about it is that we're actually now drawing from the east end of the island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're getting Amagansett and Montauk. Yeah. That's a, even if it we're meeting in West Hampton, that's still a huge hike for them. Yeah. So and they're coming to Sachem and mm -hmm. they're coming to Brentwood and stuff like right. that. Yeah, Brentwood. So do we need to explain that those yeah. are our drives in between sometimes it, for some people? For Mont me, Montauk well, to West Hampton is an hour. Yeah. So and then that's the South Fork of Long Island. I well, mean, if they're yeah. actually going to Sachem, which is central Suffolk County, that's a that's a two hour drive. Yeah. So we, we should tell everybody that's listening, right? If you're coming from Amagansett to Brentwood. Right, you could fly to Florida pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And you probably prefer that. And it, what's nice is they're actually coming to more than one meeting because they value yes. the information that's being exchanged. Yeah. It really is a collective of ideas and thoughts, depending on topic and everything else, what's yeah. happening. And, and I think it appeals to, sometimes it's a little more techy, sometimes yeah. it's a little more librarian-y. Mm -hmm. But I would say to anybody, any librarian out there or any other library system that happens to be listening, this is something that you should think about doing. Get yeah. your network, your tech people together with the librarians. Have them be nice to each other. Yeah. Talk to each other because you're all on the same team. You, everybody has a the same goal. Uh, we want our patrons to be happy, and we need to reinvent ourselves, as we've already decided. Yeah. Um, so this is a great model. If you have any questions, you should follow up on the Facebook page. The library pros will be Absolutely. here to help you. Hit our contacts page on the website, Good too. Good plug. Here's 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you should. It's, it's been a tremendous asset to our county, and it's a great model. So good job, guys. Uh, okay, so okay, so now, where were we? <laughs> Official plug released. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Now the rest is just great. I think I, did, I, I think I told my whole story. So, yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, how you got involved with 3D printing and how okay. Hollow Hills got involved with that and, and then your subsequent um, okay. uh, yeah, partnership with Enable. That. That's a great idea. So, um, again, our, our wonderful library system. I'm so lucky to be working here in uh, Suffolk County, New York. Um, our, our library system decided to buy a few 3D printers, and I don't know what inspired them to do it, and I really had really no interest in 3D printing. I only barely heard of it. They bought a couple of printers, and what they did was they kind of put it on a circuit. Any library that was interested could borrow it for two weeks, um, play around with it, show it to their patrons, figure out how it works, and then after two weeks it would move on to the next library that um, was interested in having it. So it, it kind of rode the circuit around. So our library borrowed it and we put it up. It was a, a MakerBot replicator, uh, replicator 2 and we put it up on our main floor and we had a tremendous reaction. Um, every age group, teens, kids, grandparents, um, college students, everybody was elbowing their way you know, through the crowd to see it. We had the thing going 24-7 just about banging out chess pieces and other little things that we eventually raffled off to people who were very, very excited to have a little piece of 3D printing memorabilia. Uh, it, so we saw this happen. We saw that our patrons were very, very excited about it. And, and then when it left after two weeks, we had people coming in and saying, where is the printer? What happened to it? So we, uh, our, our director thought about it, and she said, maybe we should get one of these and just sort of have it here permanently, and, and what do you think? And uh, we, we all said, yeah, 
Let's, let's go ahead and do that. So which printer did you end up going with? We ended up getting um, MakerBot fifth generation, which is hot off the press. And um, our original, sorry MakerBot, our original experience with the, with the new MakerBot fifth generation was uh, poor. It was, I think that they shipped it out beta. A lot of stuff didn't work. We had a terrible experience and I wanted to kick it down the stairs when we first got it. It was hugely disappointing because the other one had been a war horse. That thing had just gone and gone and gone. You couldn't break it. And this thing, temperamental, it, it, it was sad and you know, kind of uh, knocked the wind out of our sails for a bit. But, um, and I know there are a lot of people that are mad at MakerBot still. Uh, the extruder issue, right? The extruder issue of, yeah, I guess it was mostly the extruder issue. Yeah, that was really the crux of the problem. It, it heated, it didn't heat up too hot. It was too hot, it wasn't hot enough. Uh, so they did tons and tons of firmware updates, software updates, and now we have two MakerBot fifth generation printers and uh, they work pretty well. Then we've gotten the new, their newest extruder, the Smart Extruder Plus, which is working very, very well for and us. it's removable, is that what you're saying? It's, yeah, so the thing about MakerBot is nice is that it's sort of a modular, a printer and the fact that you can pop the extruder, it's held in place by a magnet, and you can pop it off, pull it off, and um, replace it with a different one. So if it, if it clogs, if it jams, if you have a spare, you pop it off, and then you, I wish you could see my hands, and then you can <laughs> pop it back on. <laughs> I'm popping it off and popping it on, and just put on the next one. And then the theory is, is that once we use PLA, which is a biodegradable, non-toxic uh, plastic, when they eventually graduate to metal, um, a wood composite, a plaster composite, you'll pop on a different extruder that can work with a different kind of And will filament. it work with the fifth generation or is this something It works with fifth generation. Chocolate. You need a chocolate Chocolate, extruder. pancakes. Yeah, I but chocolate stem cells. Stem, stem cells. cells. Stem yeah, cells we'll be yeah. printing out stem cells probably here in the library. You know, we are L4 trying to right uh, reinvent nice. ourselves. All right, as a community center, we feel we must provide um, mm. all kinds of art, you know, heart transplant information, you know, <laughs> uh, all that stuff. So um, that's how we got involved with 3D printing. We currently have the two. And um, so while we had that one on loan, we sent it back. I got an email a few months later from a college student who is up in Harvard, tying Harvard. it all together. Harvard. Um, she wanted to do a, a volunteer project at the end of the year, 2014, and she had heard about this website called Enable. And what they do is they supply um, 3D printed prosthetic hands mostly to children free around the world. And she would, wanted to know if she could use our 3D printer. She didn't know that we had sent it back um, to print out the fingers. Quickly go on Enable, check out the website, looks legit. I email her back and I say yes. Even before I asked the boss, I said yes, which was... And you didn't even have a printer? Folks, you had kids no printer at, and we time, had no right? printer. Yeah. Right, so kids out there, oh, ask the boss first. I, I learned that later. <laughs> or no, don't ask the boss because you might get shut down. Ask so for forgiveness ask later. For, that's the way, right, that's, that's, what, right, that's yeah. the way it goes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, so I said yes, but we're waiting to get our printer working. We... Long story short, we finally got it going, started, brought it, got it going, brought it upstairs, started, and I started printing out the pieces for this hand. And our library patrons would walk by and they'd say, what are you doing? And I would explain, we're printing out this prosthetic hand for children and everybody went crazy, staff as well. I would tell them the same story. Everybody wanted to know more about it. So 
I'm starting to think like, oh, well, you know, if this young lady wanted to volunteer for the, to put together a hand, and I had done one myself, um, maybe our library patrons would be interested in doing it. So I thought, oh, maybe I could open this up to patrons. And then I thought, oh, and to put a little cherry on top, we'll offer it to teens and they get community service. Mm. So I had this giant brainstorm to do that. Contacted our teen librarian. She was on board with it. I and then I thought, oh, we should have a speaker. Contacted the folks in Enable. Lovely people, John and Justine Diamond uh, from northern New Jersey, about an hour or so ride from us, maybe more, came up and did a wonderful program. We had uh, a good number. They did such a great program that we had more volunteers than we had pieces <laughs> to give out. Wow, so that's great. It, it was be careful what you wish for. It was a you know a great experience. And Newsday showed up as well. Newsday is our sort of our local big newspaper here on Long Island, and uh, they did an article and they put it in the newspaper the next day. So then I started getting calls from all over. People saw these children, and here's something that they could do to help kids. You know. It's, it's such a heart, you know, heartwarming story, and people, lovely people want to help. So um, we, we had a huge demand to put together, to offer this volunteer opportunity to people all over Long Island, and I did not have the pieces to give them, so it was a bit of a panicky situation. I don't know, did I already tell you this story? I can't remember if I, I did or I didn't. I don't think so. No? Oh, okay. No. All right, so yeah, all right. So here I am in a huge panic, and um, I start to... Uh, go on listservs and I email businesses. Everybody's got an idea. I contacted the schools, you know, oh, they have a 3D printer, maybe they'll help you. I, I did everything that I could think of to do, and the response was lukewarm. Hmm. Uh, people said, oh, well, I'll get back to you, kind of a thing. Or, you know, they, there was, nobody was really willing to print out these pieces for me to give out. So I finally went back to Enable and I said, help me do this. And, of course, the people that are involved in, with Enable, oh, this is an open source community of all volunteers, engineers, designers, um, medical device specialists, all come together, uh, working together in this group. And these are altruistic, smart people. I go to them and I say, help me. And I got a ton of stuff back from nice. these people. Those are the not good people that gave me pieces so I could create these kits to give out to our volunteers. So that's, that's how that started. And uh, so we're, we're continuing to do that. We had some clubs come, the Robotics Club, Girl Scouts come and assemble hands as well. We've got some wonderful volunteers. How many parts are there in a hand? Um, there are about 20 parts to the Raptor Reloaded hand. Uh, we're gonna be moving on to a different model hand pretty soon, the Phoenix hand, which involves some thermoforming, mm. which it sounds Ooh. so super cool. Wow. Yeah, actually, or, uh, and you have the ability to do that. Well, I need to figure that part okay. out. But the way it works, it's the it's a new extruder for that. The new yeah. extruder, <laughs> thermoforming involves printing everything flat, and then you put it sort of put it in the oven and bake it over over something so it as it warms it oh, wow. bends and it's a beautiful smooth finish as opposed to the uh, 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 oh, way yeah. that the striation uh, okay. the striation yeah. yeah. That's so that's something that we need to 
figure out Shrinking how eggs. exactly. No, you, have so, to buy, you have to buy ovens now. Yeah, printers, I, don't, right? I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Easy bake ovens. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a kiln attachment to the MakerBot. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know how. I, I need to yeah, really figure that out. Is there a print that slides out. in the oven? Well, you know what? Most libraries have an oven, so. Yeah, well, I'm going to hand it out to patrons. I'm going to say, just cook this in your oven, I guess. I will put it in the microwave. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but that's down the road a little piece. Yeah, so so there are about 20 pieces, and it takes, oddly enough, about 20 hours to print a hand. Wow. So it takes a a while. And the assembly process is is fairly quick? Um, Well, it depends on how handy you are. It does involve hammering and screwing, and there is some threading involved to make the fingers um, open and close. If you're listening to this podcast, um, there's Enable Community Foundation. Go Google it. Don't go to, you know, don't look for the website. Go to Google and uh, type in Enable Community Foundation, and you will find all the information you need about the different models um, and how to get involved. There's lots of opportunities for schools there as well. If you're a teacher and you're listening, they have wonderful resources for classroom projects. So I'm a big plug for the Enable Community Foundation. They really do tremendous things. So it takes um, about 20 hours to print a hand. There's a 20 hours to print, and um, but it does not take 20 hours to assemble. It probably takes, uh, depending on how handy you are, maybe anywhere from two to four hours to put together a hand. You know, and then of course the more you do it, the better you get at it too. So if you do one, it might take you three hours. You do a second one, it might take you an hour to put it together. So this project is actually um, a continuing project. There's no end date for it or anything like that. The end date will be when I run out of volunteers and people just not interested in doing it anymore. I, I want to continue to supply um, volunteers with the ability to help kids. That's what I want to do. So where do these hands go? The hands go and uh, usually there's it's uh, one of three uh, ending, ending for the hands. Um, they are sent to a distribution center in Alabama um, mm-hmm. to uh, Melina Brown, and she either sends them out to volunteers overseas who distribute them overseas, and there's lots of need for um, all over the world for these uh, children. Is it mostly birth defects, or is it from accidents? And- it's, it's a combination. There, there's birth defects. There's um, accidents as well. There's poverty um, uh, it, it's probably mostly birth defects. That's what I generally see on the, on the website. But there's a continual need as word spreads. In fact, they are in such high demand, I found out that they actually sell these hands on eBay in Mexico because there's not enough volunteers to go out that parents are actually going on eBay and buying these wow. prosthetic hands, uh, that, which is just terrible. But anyway, they, so they get sent out overseas with volunteers. They, are, they sometimes go to as, act as demo hands, so they go to maker fairs or schools or libraries, uh, just demos. And um, then the third way that they get distributed is through the typical matching system. Somebody, a parent might go on the, um, enabling, the Enable Community Foundation website and uh, say, my son needs a hand, and with a couple of quick exchanges, they can figure out the size. And they may have one of ours sitting in a box saying, oh, okay, Here's, we have a blue one that 120%, here, and they stick it in the mail and send. So wow. one of those three uh, ways the hands are distributed. That's amazing. That it, really it's is. such a, a nice win-win thing because I think of the STEM initiatives, the STEAM initiatives, and, and 3D printing is such a, uh, a disruptive technology. And it's, you know, when people see it in the library and they see that we are embracing technology and, and I think it, it 
makes people think of technology in the library beyond the, the stereotypical ways that they think. So I, I'm excited to bring that to the library. Um, it's really, it's a new educational initiative to start making teachers and parents think of their kids as entrepreneurs and designers um, and creators rather than consumers. So I, I, I do feel passionate about having the 3D printers in the library just for those reasons. That's, that's really amazing. Um, do you have a, one printer that's dedicated to just printing the hands? We have a second printer that is doing just hands right now. It is going to go into the children's department, though, um, I, I think eventually, and then it will be there for not only the hands, but class visits and uh, clubs and, and all that stuff. It's, it's growing here at the, at the library. It's still really a new technology and, and new for us. We really didn't, we haven't even had it two years yet. Hmm. So we're really just feeling our way around uh, using it here in the library. Well, let me ask you this. Um, the new trend in libraries is to develop maker spaces. Do yes. you have a dedicated space that you would call a maker space or, or another catchy title? Um, I would say we do not. Uh, we do a lot of craft programs here and uh, we have sort of a lot of after school programs for the teens that come in. We're right across the street from a big high school so we sometimes have a hundred kids in here in the afternoon. Uh, so we try to do crafts and games and stuff with them, but we don't have a dedicated permanent space for creation. Okay. Um, so when you're not printing prosthetics, uh, do you offer the 3D printers to the public to make things? Yes, we do, and it gets used very heavily. Um, people come in, they either they want to just have a souvenir, like I said, they want to try it out, they want to experience it, or they're working on a project and they have a, a design that they want to prototype. Mm -hmm. cool. uh, and, um, and one thing that we do, um, you know, just going back uh, with that whole idea of making appointments to learn the computer, um, the one-on-one -on -one appointment, appointments that we were talking about before, is that I took that same model and I'm using it with the printer. I know not all libraries do it that way, but I feel it's important to have if somebody's interested in having a 3D print, to have them come in and experience the technology firsthand to engage them. We, uh, when I'm doing the, the appointment, I have them feed the filament in, I do my whole spiel, I explain everything, it, you know, it heats up to this temperature and everything. Because again, I want to not just have them come away with a piece of plastic, but I want them to have the experience the technology and, and relate that technology to the library. So that's my secret plan. That's great. Now, is there a fee? What kind of fees do you charge for public printing? Right now, with the, using the plastic, we charge 50 cents for a half-hour printing just to cover the materials. I think if we graduate to metal or um, chocolate or um, <laughs> eggs or whatever else that we're going to be, it will just have to cover the cost of the materials. So it may, if we end up doing metal or wood composite, it may be more expensive. But right now, that's what we're doing. That's great. Now, do you have computers um, with a version of AutoCAD or some type of free CAD software that is either connected to the printers or you would, you know, load to a USB to then import or? Yeah, we're a little behind the curve on that thing. I think some, some libraries are ahead of us on that. We have some laptops that have uh, links to Tinkercad and um, they have, we're doing a program uh, on a software called Sculptress, which is uh, a 3D creation. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing more programs, but we don't really have something sitting side by side, which I guess we really should do. <laughs> we, okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> that's, Inching that's... along here <laughs> at Half Hollow Hills. Who does all this? I mean, 
if you have a steel boat, it makes you sound like you have a staff of a hundred following know. you, and, and, and you're, yeah. you're 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 basically uh, you know an orchestra. And you, and you, uh, really? Yeah. Well, make, you're doing a lot. I mean, uh, so, and yeah. do you ever sit the reference desk anymore? I do. I yeah. I do. Okay. I have two shifts a week. Well, I sort of. I have two shifts a week and weekends. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I do sit at the reference desk, and um, if if that ever changes, that would be great for the technology here in the library. I think, but I would never want to give it up completely. Because it's your heart, right? It's so, yeah. my heart, yeah. and I also I'm worried that I will become one of the downstairs people, right? Who don't talk to the it's patrons the back office and the back that, office so, people yeah. that yeah. It, yeah. they forget that it's really the the patrons that we're serving. Right, yeah. So you need to make eye contact with them every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. So I would not really want to permanently disengage from the public service desk. So I would maybe cut it down a little if I had my choice, but I would not give it up completely. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's just that's just incredible stuff. Oh, well. Thank you for thanks. sharing it with us, too. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm so excited to be the first guest here in the library pros, and I'm very flattered, and thank you. That's great. Well, are you ready um, to take a short break? And when we come back, we have... A list of questions that we're going to ask every guest. And, Oy, okay. Um, I think that you'll find the, the questions kind of fun. And um, you ready for that? Um, do I have a choice? Well, we're going <laughs> to take a short, we'll take a short <laughs> break and we'll okay. come back. You can think I, about it then. I'll like dart feud. out of the room. It's like family food, right? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So we'll be back in just a moment uh, with our top 10 questions we like to ask uh, our guests. So hang in there and we will be right back. Druda from Half Hollow Hills Library, and we are now going to ask her the list of questions, which I guess we should come up with a name for this. Mm. A name for the well, you know that rapid fire. That uh, what was that? What was that? What's that show on TV? Uh, the Actor Studio. No, Top Gear. So at the end, they ha they always have oh, the uh, they always have. I the, never heard of Top Gear. Yeah, Top Gear is a great show, and they test drive cars. And at the end, is they that have like County the cars? Same, They have the same guy okay. test mm -hmm. drive the car first, you know. Uh -huh. And so that's that's what this is. So it should be like. Uh, so I'm the initial test drive. So all test drive. Or <laughs> everybody like will do a lot better Top than me. Test drive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the so first guest will always blow yeah. it. Big so time. we do have a list of these list of questions that we asked that we're going to be asking every guest. Um, and although Ellen may have covered some of the answers to these questions, we think that <clears throat> excuse me, there's still uh, interesting to ask the same person the set of same set of questions uh, every time to see each person's career in libraries. You know, it takes a different path. Yeah. Um, I'll try to be amusing. I, there's no <laughs> guarantees. <laughs> and the questions actually were inspired by the website Literary Hub, uh, which is a site that has a lot of very interesting library-related stories and interviews. I got it. Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> That's, oh, I love that show. I love that show. That's what these are going to be. Are these the easy ones? And then, <laughs> no, then we move up. And, and you don't get any lifelines. No. You don't get to call anybody <laughs> or text anybody. Oh, you, you have to answer them yourself. Okay. Try. Okay. Yeah, you don't so, so, Okay. So Literary Hub actually has a website um, called uh, www.lithub.com, and 
they've been generous enough to let us use their questions. Actually, it was. Did you really it, ask Chris if you could use? I it? actually did. Wow. I really you did, are and they so said good. it was great. Just give us a plug. So. Okay. Here, well, you did it. Lithub.com. Check them out. They do some amazing th- work for libraries and, and the library and literary world in general. So, thank you, Library Hub. Thank you, Lithub. So. I think. Ellen, are you ready? Um. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Be nice. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were a child? I, I, Somebody posted so, that funny. All right. Uh, yeah, there's some laughing outside of the room. Um, I, I, I don't remember what I really wanted to be as a child. I think I wanted to work in television, and I wanted to see my name in credits. So that was my, uh, you know, I think I wanted to work with Rintin Tin, possibly. Um, <laughs> that was, might have been, or the Mickey Mouse Club. Okay, so what was your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? My wonderful mother. Um, we would go to the library. It was uh, actually a store, upstairs storefront library back in the day, and I remember going up the stairs, and the children's section was in the back. It was not huge, and I think I read every book in that library a couple of times over. Uh, and my, my mother was also a big reader, and she had um, all of Louisa May Alcott's books in the house, and I read all of those, too. So it, I really owe my love of reading, I think, to my, my mother, my parents, um, especially. Okay. So when did you decide to become a librarian? Uh, it was really after those spending time in Copley Square. Copley. Copley. Oh, I did it Brooklyn instead of Boston. <laughs> it's not Copley. It's Copley. Copley. Chris the Boston one now. Oh, you got fooey. the Boston one now. Yeah. Um, being a... a college student and going there and I remember sitting you know a rainy Sunday and just spending the whole day in there and I thought oh these are my people this is my place I could I could be buried here and I, I would be fine with that okay next question I know not a lot of people probably have answers to but who was your favorite <laughs> fictional librarian I don't have a favorite fictional librarian not even um, Noah Wiley um well I I mean that's the I guess I, I don't I don't I don't have a favorite fictional librarian nope Okay, so what would you do, be doing if you weren't a librarian? I think what I would like to do in my next life is to work um, in a museum, be somehow involved in fine art. I do have a big soft spot for modern art, contemporary art, and um, I would love to, you know, feed that part of my brain and soul as well. So if I was, if I had to leave today, I would go off in that direction. Okay. So, what's your favorite <laughs> section of the library besides the section that's assigned to you? Mm, I don't like the section that's assigned to me. Um, I, it's uh, self-help, which I don't believe in, and um, religion, which is not a big part of my life. Um, you know, no offense to anybody else who it is, but um, it just it doesn't work for me. So, I don't like the section that I'm assigned to. Uh, my favorite books to read, but I, I'm not a big fiction reader. I do read on a rotating basis books about cosmology books about um, neuroscience. Um, I love, I don't know why, I love reading particle physics. I it just, I don't understand it. And I just, I, I, I love quarks and, and um, you know, any tiny little thing, Higgs boson, all that stuff I just love. So I read those like a, in, a, in a kind of a rotating basis. I like, I like science and I like history. If you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to the library? I would love to add a gym 
because I'm a fatty and I should exercise, so <laughs> I if we had a gym here. And that would give you the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. Right if I was off the reference desk and I could go to the gym, jeez. <laughs> now, if you have it hooked the treadmill up to a 3D printer, you can Oh, I would just printer. never... You could yeah, generate the energy. I could generate yeah. Perfect, yeah. the energy. That and would be the print. slowest 3D printer on the planet. But you have to print little treadmills. I would love to, and I would love to have a... I, I know some libraries do have playgrounds and play areas for children. I, yeah. I would I would like to see that happen in our library, like an, and, and probably it will. Like an outdoor scape? Like an outdoor yeah, cool. area for me to go and sit like in. Middle country, <laughs> like Middle Country. Like Middle oh, Country. Like Middle Country. Like Sachem. 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 Yeah, I know. A plug for Sachem. More plugs for Sachem. <laughs> what do you love about your library? Um, you know what I really love about my library? I do love... Uh, many of the people that I work with are wonderful people um, in my library and in our profession. I found that people in the library profession, as I, not to repeat myself yet again, community-minded, civic-minded, service-minded people, generally good people. And I do love being in that profession. And I do love being involved in a place that is doing good where I can also um, fail spectacularly and try things and I can get up and try something else. So I do, I think I love the profession and I love the people in the profession. Um, and the library is, you know, kind of a building that houses stuff, people, best people. Okay, is that good? I don't think I answered your question, I'm sorry. I think sorry. that's perfect. <laughs> okay, so what is the weirdest, not worst, but weirdest, <laughs> thing that's ever oh, happened boy. in your library. Um, it's all part, it's, this, yeah. is, this is the one where I tell people, this is a hard one. This is where you can write the book. It's, yeah. gotta, it's gotta be safe for work, right? It can't be. Safe. <laughs> yeah. All right, home, what is that, NSFW? Right. Huh? right. Um, you know, I cannot think of one weird thing that is safe for work. Uh, you know, we have, you know, weird, uh, no, I can't think of a single weird thing. I know fictional librarians and no weirdness. Um, your next guest will have tons more of interesting stories, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to beg You're off. You're deferring. That I'm deferring to weirdness, and I, I'll kick myself later. I'm sure. Okay. Do you have a favorite regular patron? My favorite, I have favorite types. I like people that are self-motivated, interested in learning. Um, I like people that are polite and nice, <laughs> respect my space. Um, I, I like people that are interested in learning, and that's why they're coming in, and they want to learn about an author, they want to learn some information, they want to learn about 3D printing. Those are my favorite patrons. So I don't have a favorite regular, although many of the people that I that come in regularly are like that. So again, I'm, I think I backed out of that one politely. <laughs> okay, now for our last question, I think it's, um, I think, my favorite question. <laughs> what are people without library cards missing okay. out on? Yeah. Um, I think we talked about a whole bunch of stuff we today. We did talk about a whole bunch of stuff today, and people with library cards um, have access to a lot of stuff. They can borrow physical stuff, DVDs, books, CDs, you know, if they're, if they're interested in borrowing physical stuff. It also gives them uh, access to some of the uh, databases, which is, you know, the, the dirty database word, but it gives them access to information that is behind a firewall. 
So they need a secret number to get into that, that that is on their card. So it gives them access to information and it gives them access to stuff. But if you don't have a library card, I would say, please come in anyway, because you will still have access to librarians, which are the best part of libraries, um, and our tech staff, of course. You will have access to computers, technology, Wi-Fi, programs. Um, Answers. Answers. So, yeah. Relevant. Relevant, relevant, relevant answers. answers yeah. Exactly. Not, wi not wiki answers. Not right. wiki yeah. answers, although we will give you those too. Um, so, CARD gives you access to certain hidden firewall information and certain stuff, but by no means should you blow off the library because you lost your card. Come in anyway. So you survived. I survived. You oh. Did. oh, this was a, a, a long, strange trip. So thank you guys very much for involving me in your project. I, again, you. I really no, feel we flattered. It. Yeah. And anybody who's listening, geez, why? I mean, thanks. You know, that's great. Not why. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we do have the ability to edit, right? <laughs> why, why not? Why not? Why Tell not? your friends to come and listen to Library Pros because there will be more great discussions uh, coming up. So well, stay tuned. There's a reason why you are first. You know that, right? Because you're a, pi um, you're a pioneer. You know, pioneer. I'm, where we I'm get a pioneer, and yeah. you know I will just blab well, for this, hours. This is where so. we get to tell you how great you are. Okay. Like, like All you're, right. you're a pioneer. You've don't, been in it from the beginning. Yeah. Don't, go, don't do too much of that. You put your career on the line how many times with this stuff? You know, let's bring a 3D printer in. Let's sure. Start, okay. Let's start one-on-ones. Well, what if they fail? You know, this crazy like. Oh, you're stuff. making me uncomfortable. So okay, really cool, really cool stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much. Continuing to lead. Definitely the, the a pioneer. Community in the county. And, Just and like, I'm like a pioneer stuff. woman with the hat and the pitchfork right. and, you know. And you walk around with a guy and behind you. And the feminist stance, yeah. you know. Just like Mike Tyson, you got a guy behind you. You're the best. You're the best. You're going to do great, Mikey. You're going to do great. Yeah. Thank oh, you very uh, much for having me. Well, we're happy to have had you. We're glad you said yes to us. Thanks. That's yeah. great. Okay. So with that, let's wrap up. And uh, believe it or not, this is our first episode. I think it went really well. Sure did. And we want to thank Ellen from Half Hollow Hills Community Library. Uh, if you have any questions or comments on our show, please go to the contact us section. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Go to the contact us section of the website, thelibrarypros.com. We will also have notes and links from today's episode up on the website um, within a day or so. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash librarypros. And so you don't miss a thing, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on RSS, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. In our next episode, we're going to have Emily Owen, the director of the Canton Free Library in Canton, New York, who's going to be discussing the history of the Canton Free Library and how Chris, that's me, <laughs> Uh, is connected to it. Remember, the opinions stated in the library pros are, and the guests are those of Chris and Bob and not those of the Sachem Public Library, um, Half Hollow Hills Library, right, or MS Clark Public Library, or <laughs> any other library or entity or anybody ever. It's just, just these us. guys. Sue us only. Yes, yes. sue them exactly. only. Not even me. So hopefully you come back and you listen to us again and we'll see you next time. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippin Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Rush.